have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I Lord, help me, Jesus, I've wasted it, so help me, Jesus, I know what I am, but now that I know that I've needed you, so help me, Jesus, my soul's in There's a way I can try to repay all I've taken from you. Maybe, Lord, I can show someone else what I've been through myself on my way back to Eleven years ago, I truly asked, why me? Seventy foot in the air taking the tree out? A lot of you remember, saying so like took my head off. Stupidity on my part. Dumbness on my part. But Jesus had a plan for my life. My son was two, three months old, didn't know, didn't know what it was. The doctor's in the emergency room and the surgeon's in the OR asked why, how is this possible? Only thing they could say, my surgeon says, you're a medical mystery because I should have been a dead man. But why me? Why me? Found out two weeks later, as I got to the hospital and they put me in the emergency room, they put me in the OR, a lot of things that God did took place. But I believe in the bottom of my heart, this is why. One reason. In the OR, before they put me under, the anesthesiologist comes in and says, 
okay, Mr. Ittner, it's time to put you under. I said, hold on. I'm a Christian. I want to pray before we do. And I prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I ask a blessing upon the people in this, in this OR. Bless them. Bless their families. As they are taking time out of their life, being away from their family, should be cooking supper, having supper with their families. They're here working on the likes of me, an idiot with a chainsaw. So please bless them. Give them the strength to do what they need to do. But bless their families, Lord, if they're away. Two weeks later, I find out that this nurse in the operating room was livid, ran and raving. She was mad because she had to work late. She had planned that day to be home cooking supper for her family. Had no idea. One of the other nurses said that her demeanor changed immediately and two weeks later was still changed because of that prayer. Why me, Lord? If you ask yourself why you, just look to Jesus and he will show you why, no matter where it is or what it is. Thank you, Tim, for that testimony. Every time I hear your story, I hear something new, and it reminds me to praise the Lord. So you just keep telling it, brother. Keep telling it. We have a very special guest with us this morning. Ruth McDonald from the Salus Center is here today. As we have been telling you about the center, a crisis pregnancy center, but not just pregnancies in crisis, but any pregnancy where moms need help, uh, they are there for them. And we've been telling you about it. We've been asking you to give items uh, to help the center. And you have been very generous. And we wanted to display uh, what was given. So thank you for your generosity. Uh, as I, Debbie and I were putting these things out here, it kind of brought back memories as I smelled the baby powder and smelled the, the, the shampoo and everything. And we both commented, I think, that uh, uh, babies are for young people. Uh, that's all I can say. Anyway. <laughs> We are so glad that you are here, Ruth. Please come. Tell us about the Salus Center. Tell us how we can pray and help you. Uh, please come and tell us. Ruth McDonald, everyone. Thank you so much for having me and for all of these wonderful gifts. It's amazing. I'm, I'm just overwhelmed. But uh, so since you've been hearing about the Salus Center, some of the things I'm going to share you may have already heard. But uh, uh, maybe you wonder why the Selah Center, where'd that word come from? And in the Bible, in the Psalms, Selah is a word used um, sometimes, which means pause and meditate and think about these things. And uh, that does pertain to us, but actually we were named after a special little girl. And this little girl was our, um, we have a volunteer who does all of our graphic arts. If you received a brochure, um, all of that, design is done by a volunteer with our center. And his fourth little girl was born a little premature with some issues and didn't live but just a few weeks. And so we honor her with um, naming our center after her. But so we are a uh, pregnancy help center. And the focus seems to be on pregnancy. Our motto is loving life in Lake Country. And we do love life. We, um, we 
promote uh, life. And, um, but the other day I was reading in Isaiah 59.9 and it says, so justice is far from us and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness. When I read that, uh, it came to mind our political um, climate right now in our, in our country, in our state especially, and um, we think that it's a very dark time. And we think of the um, legislatures in some states that are allowing late-term abortions, and it seems it just appalls us. And yet all abortion should appall us, right? And um, so th things, things seem very dark. In verses 15 and 16 it says, the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. And the King James Version, is, that word is intercede. And so um, it's heartbreaking to read, yet it's motivating for us to become intercessors for this dark time in our world. And um, so we at the Sala Center are trying to bring light, and we are interceding. And I, and I pray that you are, I'm sure you are, as you've been through this month, hearing about us and focusing on the need for intercession uh, for the unborn. So our mission statement is helping pregnant women make choices that will save lifetimes. So that's what our focus is, yes, on pregnant women. But that, that phrase, save lifetimes, is actually multifaceted to us. We want to save lifetimes for the unborn, and we want to have opportunities to talk to gals that find themselves in a um, uh, crisis in their pregnancy, and we want to be able to talk to them and encourage them to choose life for their baby. But the phrase save lifetimes also refers to the mom herself. We want to help her to make uh, good choices that will give her hope and to provide a safe place for her to come and talk to someone and be able to just share what's going on in her life and help her to feel respected and help her to feel valued and that God values her. And that, that phrase, save lifetimes, also refers to the, the men that might come through our office. Not too many do, but we have had a few. Um, dads of babies might come uh, with the moms of the babies. And um, if they have a desire for male mentoring, we provide, um, we like to, we have a couple men who uh, volunteer to mentor those young men who might need someone to talk to. And Save Lifetimes also for us means having an impact in the life of teens. We also have a program which I'll share a little more about um, how we might um, impact teens to uh, understand about sexual integrity and the consequences of, of their actions. And so um, we see our, our motto of uh, making choices that will save lifetimes to be more than just for the unborn and the pregnant women. And so how do we do all that? Well, God has given us a big vision, and we trust him to lead us each step of the way. So, like I said, when women in pregnancy come in, we want to provide a safe place for them to come and talk. We want to um, uh, just, most of the women who come to us are probably I would say in the three years we've been open, we opened in May 2016, we've probably only had three abortion-minded women. And you may say, well, that's a good thing, and that is a good thing. But it's also, does that mean that we're not reaching the women in this area who may be um, contemplating that? 
And so one of our goals is to spread the word. And so we ask you, that's why I come and, um, to talk, is so that you will tell other people. And you might say, well, I don't know anybody, but a friend of yours may know somebody who needs to talk to somebody about an unplanned a crisis pregnancy situation. So we want to provide a place for, yes, pregnant women to come, but most of the women who come to us have already chosen to keep their baby, and they need some help, help like this. And so we provide a course called Earn While You Learn, which is they come in and they uh, take a class. We have um, lessons that go along with videos, and they, when they come, they um, can learn anything from uh, prenatal care to labor and delivery to um, uh, newborn care and parenting skills. So we'll take from, from the womb all the way up through two years old. In fact, we had a client who came for a little while who uh, had uh, an older child and she just wanted to take parenting class, which we have um, that also. So they earn what we call baby bucks, that's what we call it, and so every time they come in, they earn points or baby bucks and then they can go shopping in our boutique, which at the beginning you had a picture, and you'll see some more pictures of our lovely boutique, when, when these new moms come in and they're like, whoa, it's just beautiful with lovely stuff like you've provided here that they can shop for. And so it's all free to them. They just um, need to come and earn it by taking classes. And by them coming and taking classes gives us an opportunity to talk to them, not just about um, what the class is about, but also about the Lord, about themselves, about choices that they're making in their lives. So all of our um, volunteers who meet with the clients, or we call them client advocates, uh, take a class, a course, through, um, it's called Heartbeat International. So we're not under them in any um, hierarchy, but we use them as a resource. So we are a member of their network, and we rely upon them to provide us with uh, many resources and one of them is uh, this course that we take. It's called the Love Approach. And in the Love Approach, um, the word love is an acronym. The L stands for listen and learn. So an advocate learns to just sit and listen, which can be hard at times. <laughs> just listen to what a client is saying. To listen to them so that they will receive value for what they have to say and to love them and to learn what's going on in their lives. Always for options so that as we listen and we can get them to talk about what's going on in their lives, we can help them steer them to see what are their options. Maybe a woman in crisis pregnancy thinks her only option is to get rid of this pregnancy, but to help them see that perhaps a good option would be to give life to that baby but let another family love that child and raise that child. Or maybe they will see that they really could work out a way to keep that child and raise that child. And so we want clients to see options. Right now, most of our clients, as I've said, are, um, we have three pregnant, one may be giving birth this weekend, <laughs> and uh, one is due early May, and um, another one is due mid-May. And so these women have chosen to keep their babies, but one who had their baby about in January, um, she's having a terrible time because she, she has no income. And so she is desperately trying to find childcare so she can get back to work 
for this baby that she chose to give life to. And uh, she needs to um, find a way to earn income. So we try to help them see, well, maybe you could do this, or maybe you could do this, or how does this work? And so we talk to them and always show them love and respect. The V stands for vision and value, which goes along with, with what I've been saying, that hopefully help them to have a vision for the future of hope. And of course, we as volunteers see that that hope is only going to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are constantly trying to point them in the direction of Jesus and that by uh, having a um, walk with him will give them the hope that they're looking for. And E stands for extend and empower. As I said, some of our clients stay with us for a couple of years. Some of them may even be on the second child with us, which we have a couple like that. And um, we want to empower them for a more productive life, a life that is going to be better for them and their children. I mentioned teens also. You're like, well, how, how do you impact teens? Well, some of you may have heard that we um, train up volunteers to go into the, right now we are in Mecklenburg County, in the middle schools teaching a program called I Am Enough. And this is a program where we teach four classes to each sixth, seventh, and eighth grade class in the public school in Mecklenburg County. And it is a curriculum that we purchased and trained volunteers for. And right now we had 12 volunteers. It takes quite a few because you have to have them at, uh, you have like, um, six each day, because there's three levels and um, uh, three classes, and um, they split up the boys and the girls. But this class teaches um, middle schoolers sexual integrity. And we also cover areas of just respecting yourself and respecting others, and uh, making good choices, and realizing what influences you in your life, um, the media, peer pressure, things like that, and talking with them about how they can value themselves and realize that the choices that they make in their lives are going to have consequences and what those consequences might be that they might not realize. And so that's another area that the Sailor Center is trying to make an impact. We, we hope that by uh, letting the young people know that we are here and um, helping them realize that there are um, consequences to their choices and that um, they need to be responsible in their uh, choices that maybe they will not be in a position that they will be in a crisis pregnancy situation. So those are all different areas that we at the Sailor Center try to do with the Lord's help. And how can you help? Well, you've been helping immensely. You've been helping um, through this month by collecting, and in the past you have, and, and your church has been supporting us financially. And our support comes primarily with churches like you or individuals who, who, who commit to do monthly regular support. That's where uh, most of our foundational support comes from. And then we do do fundraisers. Maybe you'd like to be a volunteer. We can always use volunteers to help us with fundraising activities. We actually have a new development director. I'm new as of January taking over this position, and we have another. Um, and so we haven't actually, we're, we're both trying to learn the, the ropes of what we're supposed to be doing right now, so we haven't sat down to decide what the, what the uh, fundraiser for this year is going to be, but the board pretty much said that we will hold off doing another gala. If any of you went to that last year, it was, it was wonderful. It was um, uh, well-received, and uh, we did do well fundraising. And um, we're not going to do that this year, so we'll do a smaller fundraiser. But maybe you as a volunteer would like to help with that. So all of our volunteers have to fill out a volunteer application. 
and you can go online to get one of those or come to the office. Or maybe you would like to um, host a, a baby shower. You've already done so much. This is what a baby shower would be like, not quite as extensively probably, if you held one in your home. We've had individuals do that. Just invite friends that maybe don't know about the Sala Center, come into your home, and you can host a baby shower to support us, and then uh, I or another volunteer could come and share about the Sala Center. So that way you could spread the word to friends of yours. And um, some of our prayer needs are, uh, we have decided, because sometimes clients uh, have a hard time financially, they might have a hard time with their car breaking down, they might have a hard time not being able to afford gas to come to us in Clarksville, that we are going to, um, we feel the Lord's leading us to provide opportunities to meet with clients in remote locations. So we are working on a location in South Boston and South Hill so that um, perhaps that will uh, draw in some new clients. So you could also help spread the word that that's going to happen. So if you know of anybody um, that would like to meet with us, and it doesn't have to be just women who are in desperate financial need. We provide classes. Sometimes a new mom, whatever financial status she's at, just feels overwhelmed with, I have no idea. You know? And so we have classes that, that, so we've had a few women come through us, through our doors, that, uh, just to take our classes. And yes, they can still earn diapers and baby clothes and, and wipes. So uh, pray for that, that we, are, we want clients to know that we're opening up opportunities for them to meet in South Boston or in South Hill and still take their classes there. And another big prayer request we have is we would like to go medical. Now what that means is that we would like to purchase an ultrasound machine. And we feel as though having an ultrasound machine in our office would be a draw to young women who find themselves pregnant because um, they cannot even go to consider um, terminating their pregnancy unless they first have an ultrasound. And so if they come and get a free ultrasound from us, we would have the opportunity to talk to them about the sanctity of life and perhaps choosing a different option for their baby. But we cannot go medical unless we have a medical doctor volunteer as our medical director. So our first prayer is that a and I say this every time I speak because maybe someone out there knows a Christian doctor who would like to step forward and be our medical director. So pray for us. And um, Isaiah sounded kind of dark in those verses that I read, but Isaiah 60 says, verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Praise God that he is in control, and he will reign. So we're going to show a slideshow, which will give you a better visual of what's happening at the Sela Center. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ruth. Would you please come back up here and Steve, who, Carol, you've seen him as the chairman of our deacons. He's here this morning as chairman of the missions committee. And Steve has a presentation to make to you, Ruth. Ruth, we want to thank you for coming. Um, if you didn't get one of these brochures when you came in, there's some in the back. And also, we have a, a really nice presentation of information on the Salus Center uh, right outside of the uh, Welcome Center uh, next to the restrooms there so you can get some information there and lots of pictures. Ruth, on behalf of Olive Branch Baptist Church, um, 
we just wanted to present this uh, small token of our appreciation for what you do, and uh, we thank you very much. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you that you are the life giver. That, Lord, you have given us physical life and give us eternal life. And, Lord, we know that there is no life without you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to celebrate life, help us to support a place like the Sala Center that is uh, fighting for life, helping mothers who, Lord, are making difficult decisions and, and helping young mothers and, and uh, with uh, helping raise their children. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see their vision and to support them with prayer and to support them in many ways, Lord. I pray that you would give them success in reaching uh, the mothers in this county that, that need their services. I pray, Lord, that uh, every mother would choose life. And I pray, Lord, that as we saw these wonderful pictures of, of mom and baby, that these would just be a small sample of the many uh, families that uh, would, would make up the it's the positive results of this center. So I pray your blessing upon them and pray that you would give Ruth and the other leaders wisdom and direction. I pray, God, that we would continue to partner with them uh, to bring the glory to your name and to bring uh, life into this world. I pray also now, Lord, as we do look at your word, that you would teach us and you would change us. And I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. We've been talking about what did Jesus really say. And this morning, did Jesus really say to gouge your eye out and cut off your hand? Seems a bit extreme, doesn't it? But yes, he did. Matthew chapter 5, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus makes it clear. If some part of your body causes you to sin, cut it off. Get rid of it. Throw it away. Because it's better that you go into heaven with less body parts than to have your whole body and go into hell. And when we read that, it kind of makes sense, but also it's gross, and also it seems extreme. And why would Jesus say that? Well, Jesus, as I've shared with you before, uses uh, exaggeration, uses hyperbole to prove a point. And, and this is his point. Anytime we sin, it separates us from God. When Adam and Eve sinned, it separated them from the close fellowship they had with God. They were spending time with Him, walking with Him, Listening to him, they sinned and they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. The relationship with God broken. Every time we sin, our relationship with God is broken. When we are not yet saved, that separation means we deserve to go to hell. When we are saved, 
Jesus pays for our sins so that we are not going to hell, but still, even we as Christians, when we sin, our fellowship with God is broken and we are separated from God. Now what God is saying, what Jesus is saying that He loves us so much, He wants us to be in relationship with Him. He doesn't want that relationship broken. The question is, do we want that relationship as much as He does? Because if we want it as much as He does, we would get rid of sin in our lives so that our relationship with God isn't broken. And what Jesus is saying is, if sin separates you from God, then do whatever you have to do so that the relationship's not broken. And so my challenge to you is, do you grieve more when you're separated from God or if you're separated from your sin? Just think about... If you, all Christians, even Christians have these sins that we become comfortable with, almost become part of who we are. And if you didn't have that anymore in your life, would you grieve over that? More than the fact that every time we sin, it separates us from God and it should grieve our hearts. God desperately wants a relationship with us. Why do we mess it up by sinning? Jesus says, Sin is so extreme. Get rid of it in your life so that you can be close in relationship to me. Did Jesus say, anger is murder and lust is adultery? Yes, he did. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, fool, will be subject to the Sanhedrin. But whoever says you moron will be subject to hell fire. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What Jesus is telling us is that every sin separates us from God and every sin has the same eternal consequence. Every sin means that we go to hell and separate it from God forever. No matter how little, no matter how big, whether it's an evil thought or an evil deed, every sin is equal in its consequences of separating us from God and sending us to hell. Now, obviously, earthly consequences aren't the same. If you lust in your mind, you don't go to jail, if you lust in your, I mean, if you have anger and want to kill your brother, but it's all in your mind, you don't go to jail, you kill your brother, yes, you will go to jail. So the earthly consequences aren't the same, but the eternal ones are the same. I think this is Jesus' point. I love this picture here. Uh, notice that this is the National Association of Telemarketers, and right there it says a big sign, absolutely no soliciting. All right, so there is some real hypocrisy, and we who are Christians sometimes are great about pretending to be something that we are not. And so we can brag about how we have never killed anybody, and we can brag about how we've been faithful to our wife, we've never committed adultery, but all the while in our mind there's anger, there's lust, And in our heart, we really are murderers and adulterers. 
And Jesus is telling that he's raising the bar. It's just not our actions. It's our thoughts. It's our actions, yes, but our thoughts and our words and our actions, all of these are to be watched carefully, that they aren't sinful, they don't separate us from God, and that we don't have to face the consequences of that sin. So the challenge for us is, do you hide evil in your heart behind that facade of righteousness? Right here this morning, there may be murderers in our midst, adulterers, right here. Although when you walked in this morning, we all thought, I didn't think any of you were murderers, <laughs> But it could be. If that hatred is in your heart, you are a murderer. The only way to have sin eliminated from our life is victory in Jesus. That's because we are born sinners. I don't have to remind you that even the smallest child can be selfish, grab a book away, cause a friend to cry. Isn't it true you never had to teach your children how to lie? You never had to teach them to be jealous? You never had to teach them to be angry? You had to teach them to be nice and kind and to share, but you never had to teach them any of the other things because that's who we are naturally. And if that's how we are naturally, then we're not going to be able to change who we are just by changing outward things. These verses tell us that Jesus says it's in the heart that come all of these evil things. And Paul says the same thing, that it's we in our hearts who are sexually immoral people and idolaters and adulterers and people practicing homosexuality and thieves and greedy people and drunkards and verbally abusive people, swindlers. He say these people will not inherit the kingdom of God, but that's who we are in our hearts naturally. But I love this verse right after Paul says that he says, some of you used to be this way, but you're not now. Listen, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Paul says, no one who is a sinner is going to get into heaven. And he lists the sins and even says, that's how some of you were. But notice the word is were, you were that way. You're not that way now. Because you have been saved. You have been washed. You have been set apart. You have been sanctified. You're a different person. You're a new creation. It's in Jesus Christ as He saves us, as He changes us, as the Holy Spirit lives within us that we are able to live a life that pleases God and live a life without sin. It is theologically practical to live a perfect life. And when I say that, I say that for this reason, because God lives in us, and there is no sin that we as a Christian have to commit. When we commit sins, it's because in rebellion against God we commit them, but He's empowered us with the Holy Spirit to overcome and to live a life that pleases Him. In Romans 8, Paul says this, For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. That's who we used to be. But listen, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. So brothers and sisters, do not try to eliminate sin in your life by just dressing up your behavior, because we are sinners at the core of who we are. That's who we are by nature. What we need is a new nature. 
We need a new type of life, and that comes in Jesus Christ. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let the Holy Spirit fill you so that your life can be lived in a way that's pleasing to God. And finally, how do we eliminate sin from our life? The bar is set high. God says, be holy because I'm holy. That is the bar. God doesn't say be a little bit holy or be mostly holy or be holy enough. Holy, because I am holy. As I just said, you need a new nature. You need to have the Holy Spirit within you that only comes from belief in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you do that, you have a new nature. You have the Holy Spirit who guides us, empowers us. These are some other practical steps. Monitor very, very carefully what you see and what you hear. Oscar the Grouch loves trash. He lives in a trash can. So he smells the trash, he's in the trash, and he makes him grouchy, doesn't it? Well, if what you see on television, if what you uh, see on your computer, if what you read, if what you listen to is garbage... No wonder you're going to live in a life of garbage and your life is going to be garbage. So monitor carefully what you look at. This should be pretty obvious. If certain things tempt you to sin, then don't go around them. Don't be near them. Don't allow those things to be in your life. Eliminate those from your life. And finally... When sin is in your life, confess it immediately, repent of it. Don't allow it to stay in your life and fester and become worse. I don't know why we do that. Sometimes we allow the sin to make us go from being angry to actually being violent. We allow lust in our mind to change us from just thinking about something to doing something. And then things that we keep doing become habits in our life and it becomes entrenched in our life. Why do we do that? When it's there, stop it. As Barney Fife said, nip it in the bud. Right? That's what you do with sin when it shows up. You nip it in the bud. That's what Jesus said in the rest of Matthew. He talks about if you are offering a gift at the altar, go and find your brother and reconcile so that you don't end up hating him and calling him a moron and a fool and Lord forbid you murder him. You get right with him. And then he talks about if you are going to court to settle the case before you get there. Because if you have to end up getting there, you're going to have to pay the very last penny. His point is this, take care of it now. Don't wait till later. The longer you wait, the worse the consequences will be. Take care of it now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we have had a great morning together. We thank you, Jesus, that we have heard testimony. We have sung praises to you. We thank you, Lord, for Ruth and what she has shared with us about the Sela Center. And Lord, although I know we all know that you hate sin in our life, I pray, Lord, that it's more than a knowledge of your hatred toward it, that we in our lives would hate it just as much. That, God, we would want relationship with you more than we want our sin. That we would not want anything to, eliminate, to separate us from you. Lord, 
Help us to see victory is in you and not in our feeble attempts to change our behavior. I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom in how we can eliminate sin in our life. And Lord, I pray that we would live a holy life that's pleasing to you and that we would obey your command to be holy as you are holy. And I pray this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Because of our time, you are dismissed to Sunday school.